0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wild Alaska Pollock, the fish of the future. Learn more and try a free sample at wildakpollock.com.
2: I'm one of HRN's interns, Nina Medvinskaya, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. This week's topic? The marriage of food and danger. Sometimes, danger lurks in the food that we eat.
1: So instead of saying what is poisonous, I'd rather say what's not, because it's literally just the flesh and the fins.
2: Food poisoning doesn't just threaten our bodies but it endangers our environment as well.
3: The emissions of JBS combined with the other top five meat companies exceed the annual emissions of Exxon, Shell, or BP. For more,
2: tune into this week's Meat and 3 on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So, happy Hanukkah, and welcome to holiday party season. It seems like there's a holiday party for every every organization, every family, every friend group, every workplace. So, um, if you are hosting one, hang tight, because we have a lot of ideas for what to cook. But um, first off, if you ever tried cooking for a crowd, whether it's holidays or not, um, and if you tried to scale up a recipe that was meant for maybe four to five people and tried to turn it into something that was meant for instead maybe 12 or 20 people – Um, You might have found that sometimes that just doesn't always work. And, you know, it's easy to kind of roll it off your back when it's, you know, just for yourself. But when you've just bought ingredients for like 12 to 20 people, it's a little harder to swallow. So I'm I'm really excited that there's a cookbook really devoted to the subject of cooking practically for a crowd um, and filled with crowd-pleasing recipes. So this book is by someone who knows quite a thing or two about cookbooks she has been a cookbook editor at chronicle books for 18 years she is now a book packager and content producer um with her own company called connected dots media so welcome to the show leslie jonath hello hello so i i forgot to introduce the name of your book um you teamed up with dozens of chefs as well as the San Francisco nonprofit 18 Reasons to create this book called Feed Your People, Big Batch, Big Hearted, Cooking and Recipes to Gather Around. Um, it is really heavy, too. I'm holding it right now and it's like, okay. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> it is a big book. <laughs> it's a big book. And yeah, um, yeah I, I love that it's it's focusing on how to feed many and, uh, you know, I was trying to think of any cookbooks I've seen like this. Have, had you seen this before, and, uh, or, or did you feel like it was lacking? Well, you know,
4: it's funny. I had seen some uh, books about big batch gathering, but, you know, I like to cook for big groups of people. I'd rather cook for a big group of people than a small group of people. I just feel like it's more festive. Mm-hmm. With my own family, I'm always thinking, like, okay, just popcorn. But when I have a party, I feel like that's where it's really fun to cook for big, for big groups of people. It makes it much more alive, and, and that's where I love to cook.
3: Yeah, this book is like also really a celebration of not just the you know, practical tips of entertaining or like cooking for crowds, but it's also really uh, celebrating why it's important to gather around and um, all the community, you know, friendships that are made around it. Um, tell me a little bit about how you decided to start writing it.
4: It started at the party that I have every year called and
3: vodka and latkes. Vodka and latkes. Wait, you just vodka
4: cut. and latkes. <laughs> yes, yeah, we call it celebrating the potato in all its forms. Uh-huh. Uh, so I started during this party, and and I do it now, and I, I call my mother, and I say, "Hey, I'm having the party," and then she says, "I'm not doing it. There's no way I'm not doing it again." Uh-oh. And then three weeks later, she calls me and tells me she's made 200 latkes, <laughs> and who's coming? And so then we have this. Big party, and my friend Anya Fernal makes brisket. Mm. And um, it's a little bit of a scam on my part because I have my mother make the latkes, <laughs> and my friend makes the brisket. And then my dad leads everybody in doing shots of vodka, which <laughs> we do with pickle chasers.
3: Oh, wow. And I,
4: it's just so much fun. And every year, you know, people look forward to it. I you get people call me in July and ask me what it's going to be. And I just <laughs> had this moment where I thought, you know, there are certain we gather around that are yeah. incidentally big batch foods that just in themselves create a gathering and mm-hmm. when i thought about that i then became interested in looking around at other cultures other traditions around what are the foods we gather around
3: yeah That's the impetus for the book i see so the recipes though they're all contributed by an amazing chef or cookbook author themselves mm-hmm. such as you know um dumpling recipe from Andrew Nguyen um, there's there's paella there's there's recipes from Alice Waters and Brian Terry and Yotam Ottolenghi it's kind of like a who's who of like chefs and and writers of food right now but um, so the theme is something that is festive and meant for feeding a crowd is that the idea
4: yes and yeah. also you know in my years as a cookbook author i thought about all the chefs and and cooks who i had met over the years and there's something for me, very moving for people. People, I you know
3: the generosity of the cooks. The generosity of the cooks,
4: right? Are you there? Generosity.
3: Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. You sorry. It was a little. Sh- yes. Okay. We got you now.
4: No, it, it's it's the generosity of the chefs and the cooks and the people who who make food. It's people generally are, you know, they're feeders. They mm-hmm. they, they feed others, and therefore there's a certain generosity. That um is always inherent, and I and of all the chefs and cooks I met, so many of them do this kind of have some kind of tradition. I, I asked them, what are the foods you gather around? What do you gather your people around and you they gave me their dishes.
3: I love that, and it seems like in your head notes introducing the chef and the recipe they they all seem really community minded like there's the um the annual uh Let's see. It's a matzo ball recipe that you have from Myland Adeli's Noah Bermanoff and Ray Cohen. And they do this annual Passover Seder for Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. So it in and, and then there's um a wonderful soup swap from who was this? Kathy Kathy, Kathy Gunst. Gunst. Yeah. And that's and like
4: Kathy mm-hmm. is amazing. I mean, she did a book that's called Soup Swap that is absolutely wonderful and has, you know, she would have everybody would bring a soup. Um, and we did when her book came out, she came to my house. and We had a huge gathering at my house. And I think 20 people showed up with different kinds of soups. And it was just so much fun.
3: And I love the idea that you were saying that, you know, once it's this like theme dinner, like your latkes and um, vodka, <laughs> vodkas, no, vodka. Vodka, yeah, actually,
4: log- it is vodkas because people bring different kinds of vodka. So it it turns Ooh. out that it is vodkas. You know, it's people bring the pickles and they bring vodkas. We supply the vodkas and the brisket, so it nice. can get
3: quite loud. Nice, <laughs> yeah. No, I was trying to make like a portmanteau of latkes and vodkas, and then I was like, wait, it sounds exactly the same. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, I like the idea of like when you have this theme that people just know is going to happen. It's really exciting and you kind of created this annual tradition that you can't give up now because your friends are calling you in July. <laughs> so
4: Yeah, and you know, there are certain things that, um, you know, dishes, there's a, a timpano, which mm-hmm. is a, a, certain dishes that take a long time that you're not going to cook them because no. they're complicated unless it's for 20 people. So, you know, there's a timpano, which is by Viola Butoni, who's in San Francisco and an amazing cooking teacher at Lovely. And it takes, you know, there are different components. You have to make the meatballs, you make the pasta frolla, you make the pasta, the tomato sauce. But if you do it in community, you don't do it by yourself. You actually have a party and that's the actual gathering is the party to make the food. So there's a lot of, um, I say in the book, you know, if there's one thing I want to say, one piece of advice, it's, don't do it by yourself. Make it part of the party. Start the party early. People love to be included and being included in the, po- the process of cooking makes them feel enlisted, makes them feel part of it. It's, it's one of the key things that I love to do in any party I, I do.
3: Yeah, and some of the dishes, like the first section is dedicated to dishes like that. Like So the empanada party or the dumpling party, there's the momos, um, the Tibetan momos that, that are fun to do together. So one person isn't doing the whole thing.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and there's a tradition of that. You know, actually Christmas, there's the tamaladas, you know, where you you sit and you in in Mexico and South America, you make tamales in in community and then you eat and you feed your community. So I loved what I loved about the book was the way that the book, the process of making the book, the process of the food mirrored exactly what I was trying to create, which is how do you how do you create? community through food How, you know that's really important it's not only eating together but it's cooking together that makes us all feel like in- included
3: yeah and that's something that um 18 reasons the cooking school in san francisco um that's what they really thrive on it's a cooking school but also they have the community dinners and um what was it like working with them
4: It was amazing. I mean, I actually found them. I was thinking about, I wanted to work with a local nonprofit. I I like the idea because you can have great impact if you work on a local level. And so um, I talked to Sarah Nelson, who's their executive director, and we decided that in order to test recipes, because you have to test the recipes for a cookbook, how are you going to, what are you going to do if you're testing for 20? (laughs) Well, you got to have a party. So them, no. recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, that was my reason to do the book was a uh-huh. lot of parties. Um, but I, we would do testing dinners at the, mm. at the space. They have a, a community space and it holds between 30 and 40. So, you know, once a, once every two months we would have a dinner and we do, we did a chili night where we did a Gujarati chili by Preeti Mistri. We did a Rob Walsh's, um, Texas chili, and we did a oh chili God. verde by Tracy Desjardins. Mm-hmm. And all of these chilies, you know, the grudrati is vegan, you know, Texas chili is um, beef, and then you've got the other chili, the chili verde, which is pork, and they were stunning. Mm. Um, That's so, brilliant. It's really fun. We did a red beans and rice dinner with the, the recipes by Pablo Johnson, who's out of New Orleans, um, and he does these Monday night uh, Red Beans and Rights Nights, and so sort of going back to the earlier point that you made, most of the people in the book are people who do this. They they invite community. They work with nonprofits. They work with hunger relief. It's all about the idea of generosity and giving
3: back and connecting people. Mm-hmm. And they've generously shared their recipes in this book, too. So that's good. Um, one quick question, though. Were you ever nervous during these recipe testing dinners that, you know, by nature, they're not yet tested, right? Did anything go wrong? Was, uh, did you find that something didn't work?
4: Well, it was a little nerve-wracking, but it was also good because the people who came to the dinners, we wanted their feedback. Mm. So, again, it made them feel enlisted. We said, these are recipe-testing dinners. We want your feedback. Um, I, 18 Reasons has um, wonderful chefs on their staff. So, you know, they, they gave me feedback and volunteers gave feedback. Nothing really went wrong. There was one recipe that wasn't, I think, needed more salt. Or, but again, it was one of those things where it was helpful. That's why we did the testing was to find out what we needed to adjust.
1: Perfect. Um,
3: yeah. That sounds really fun. Um, I love that you have, like, one tip in here where you say, forego perfection in favor of connection. Um not only does that rhyme, but that just sounds like a really good uh, sort of mantra to keep in mind when you're enter- when you're doing anything like this that could be nerve wracking. Um, so, are you I not think a most prof- people are? Yeah.
4: I think most people are really afraid of entertaining. They feel that they won't. be um amazed at the amount of um, uh, hesitation people have. I do, I do too, but I think that um, you know people don't really re- people remember food and they enjoy food, but what they really remember. I think it was Maya Angelou who said this is like how they felt when they were in that with you, you Mm -hmm. know. So, so you know, I think like okay, so your apartment's a little bit cramped, but you know, uh, the best party I ever had was in a one-bedroom apartment where I lined up chairs and tables all the way through the hallway, through the kitchen, through the bedroom. People (laughs) crammed around the table, and they made (laughs) lentil soup, and. People still talk about that because oh. it's a sense of kind of fun, cozy. It was so cozy.
3: Mm. And I bet you didn't break the bank, too, on that lentil soup for so many people. That's <laughs> great. <screen. laughs>
4: well, well, that's the thing. When you cook for a group of people, it can get expensive. Yeah. So a lot of the recipes in the book you know, use humble ingredients, you know, pasta with tomato sauce, meatballs, you, you know, there's ways that you can make feed many, uh, mm. and not spend a lot of money. Um, certainly less expensive than going out. So yeah. I think that that is a, a it, there's a frugality to this kind of cooking.
3: And I mean, who can say no to latkes, even though it may cost less, it's just so, so festive and so fun. Um, I want to talk a lot more about some of these uh, recipes and also some do's and don'ts of throwing a party, but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, and we'll be right back.
1: This episode is brought to you by Wild Alaska Pollock, the fish of the future. Wild Alaska Pollock is incredibly delicious, highly nutritious, and perpetually sustainable. Among the last frontier's many natural wonders, wild Alaska Pollock just might be the state's best-kept secret. This cousin to cod has lean, snowy white meat, delicate texture, and a mild flavor that makes it extremely versatile and tasty. Only Pollock caught in Alaskan waters by U.S. fishermen can be labeled wild Alaska Pollock. Unlike other Pollock products, wild Alaska Pollock is filleted and frozen just once within hours of being caught, to preserve freshness, flavor, and texture. And now, food service professionals can try Wild Alaska Pollock for free. Request your sample at wildakpollock.com and discover the fish of the future. That's wildakpollock.com.
3: All right, we're back chatting more with some Tips, wisdom, um, delicious inspiration for cooking for many um, with Leslie Jonath. She's the author of Feed Your People. So you still there, Leslie? I am. Excellent. So you started off um, talking about latkes. And um, I just wanted to share, and you mentioned that your mom would make them ahead of time and she would freeze like 200 or so. Um I just wanted to share that I have a friend who has a branded holiday party all around Swedish meatballs and um, we know that like, you know, every year on this night, we're going to all eat like dozens of Swedish meatballs and he freezes them ahead and just makes them in his own time. So is that similar to your mom's approach to like making all these latkes weeks ahead? Yes,
4: making things ahead. So what she does is she fries off. Each batch makes about 25, and she'll do two batches at a time. She'll fry them off. She puts them on a cookie sheet. Then she puts them in the freezer and freezes them. And then she takes them out of – It puts them into um, plastic Ziploc bags with, I think, paper towels between them. Oh, okay. So, that, mm-hmm. and then when she comes to my house, she'll have them, she'll bring it in a, in a, like a cooler with, <laughs> stacked with ice. And then when she's reheating them, she takes them out, she defrosts them for between, like 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, and then puts them back in the oven and just bakes them off in, in you know, in a, uh, until they get crispy and bubbly and then puts them out. Um, so that's, that's really yeah. the thinking behind it is, you know, when you make latkes, it can be very, um, you know, that there's oil. Yes. It's, it's mm-hmm. She can't talk to anybody. Um, and people always want to eat more. You know, they want to eat two or three. So it's, this is <laughs> yeah. highly efficient.
3: Yeah. And I love that, you know, you I think you mentioned that she would, you know, do not all of them at the same day, you know, when she was making them ahead of time. But just like sort of in between like cooking something else. Okay, I'll make some I'll fry some of these now and then <laughs> freeze them. So, it's a really smart approach to making a yeah, lot. Yeah,
4: she did them in about four different batches. Um, and you know, as much as she says she doesn't want to do them, I know that when she's serving them, she feels incredible. Um, she feels excited and she feels pride and uh, I love the way that my friends uh feel that they're like being mothered I mean mm-hmm. it's a really sweet moment for our family when she does yeah. that and then my dad is doing the vodka and it's, it's
3: no fun oh is there anything like weird about your like toppings or anything um any any like must-haves about the recipe that your that your mom's recipe has about the toppings? Or or, um, or no, just the recipe itself, maybe? Is it just straightforward, or is it... Is it have oh, any it's very, secrets? Easy, easy.
4: It was, uh, it was actually based on Marine Swarovski's recipe that she had, and it, mm-hmm. it uses matzo meal, it uses eggs. She uses a vitamin C tablet, which is kind of a holdover. A lot of people use citric acid to make sure that the uh, potatoes don't gray. Okay. So she'll do that if she does that. But the thing that's a little trick with her is, is that she grates them. One, She uses a food processor, and she'll grate them on the the shredder, and then she'll pulse them with the blade mm-hmm. and so that they get a little, there's kind of this texture. Of sort of large rice grains, and that way, when you fry them, they—that's um, what separates them from being slotted. as opposed to sometimes, if they're too shredded, they sort of come out like hash browns.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
4: So you, you know, and you want to use russet potatoes because those have a lot of starch and they're and they make them very crispy.
3: Mm, okay. Good. That's to very know. traditional.
4: Okay. Yeah. Very traditional.
3: And the toppings are applesauce and sour cream, or anything.
4: Applesauce, sour cream. Sometimes we use ikura, so we'll use um, fish roe, and uh, or smoked salmon is also really something we love to,
3: to do. Love it. Um, I know that it's uh, holiday, you know, winter time right now. But your paella recipe in here looks mm-hmm. pretty darn good. And an, um, I don't know. I think of that as a summer dish, something to look forward to in the summer. But.
4: Yeah, I think there's a, we have a lot of recipes that go between seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were thinking about how to organize right. it, um, so we have like we have two porchetta recipes. One, which is a big porchetta, which might be very nice for people for Christmas, actually. And that's, and that's from by Sarah
3: Jenkins, right? Or there's yeah, there's, okay. there's
4: one by Sarah Jenkins, and then there's also one by the. Uh, Gail and John Priory, who own Foreign Cinema in San Francisco. Um, So those are two, you know, one is sort of a big, giant, feeds 30, and then Sarah's is one, which actually uses a a pork butt. So they're two different cuts of meat. But those are very celebratory and can be summer or winter. And then we do have some summer recipes. We have uh, Rick Rogers has a really lovely root beer spare rib recipe, which is great for the grill. And also, we have that paella recipe which you mentioned. That yeah. This summer, we had it was magical. That <laughs> that paella recipe is um, has all kinds of you know typical paella has a lot of fish. It's from Valencia, Spain, and mm-hmm. and that one is actually it, it, that's one where you have to make it for a big group.
3: Of yes, right. You're not going to finish that all. <laughs> it's just it's, so fun. <laughs> it's fresh But it's too. also
4: one of those centerpiece dishes where, mm-hmm. like the timpano, where. You bring it out, and it's this beautiful, you know, colorful dish, and you put it out, and people exclaim, you know, with awe. (laughs) It's part of the fun.
3: I love that. And and if anyone has seen The Big Night, um, we all know what kind of, you know, catharsis could happen, (laughs) you know, community building, if you will, and infighting. And so forth, yeah. um, through just a wonderful, memorable meal. Um, I love this idea. This is this comes from uh, Elizabeth Pruitt at Tartine Bakery. She made a cheesy loaf, a huge loaf of cheesy garlic bread, and it looks like it's cut so that you can just pull like a a, a nice chunky wedge out of it. Tell me a little that bit about is- that one. That so. is one of the easiest,
4: most delicious recipes in the book. And what she does is she takes a live-on bread or a big round, circular bread, and she cross hashes it. So you know, it almost looks like a tic tac toe board. Mm-hmm. And then she pours butter and cheese and garlic, and then you put it in the oven Brilliant. for 20 minutes, I think. And then you do you can you can literally pull pieces out of it. And um, I I once had at, at, at the soup swap. I I thought you know. This is the centerpiece. This is the thing yeah. you put in your middle right. of your table, and my daughter just could not stop. She had butter all over her mouth for the rest of the night. It's, <laughs> it's 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 insanely delicious.
3: Love it, and and you could just have like many different soups. I see in the photo you have tomato soup here, just something simple to dip it in, or not.
4: <laughs> We're just yeah, you could just eat that. That could be it. Uh, You know, and Elizabeth is an incredible, incredible cook, and her cookbook, Tartine All Day, that's, so some of these books, these recipes did originate from other books, but then we had to scale them up, Mm. um, you -hmm. know,
3: and then we made sure that the chef uh, and cook signed off to make sure that we did it correctly. Um, Yeah. Well, I imagine, though, you can just get a nice loaf of artisan bread and then make your own tic-tac-toe board on it, and, um, and then you're done. You're, it's a fun way of serving bread instead of just cutting it up for a side. Yeah,
4: it just adds. It's also a conversation piece. I mean, again, thinking about the foods we gather around, thinking about mythologies around food, you know, the memories. I mean, you know you make a big look or you make something that's special. People, it's a conversation, you, you know, and there's a whole, as you say, there's a little bit of drama around it. There's mm. a little bit of mystique. And there's a sharing because people be, are completely curious. How did you do
3: this? And it becomes an event. So what are some of those dramas that may have happened during your recipe testing dinners or any, any other events that where, you're, where you're sharing these, these recipes?
4: Oh, in terms of things working or not working?
3: Or no, just some, some sort of, I don't know, connections that were made. Um, anything memorable that stands out?
4: Well, yes. There was a funny moment where we went to the dolphin club. Do We were doing a crab boil, and Mm -hmm. actually the photographer and I were scouting the space, and we met the chef, and he didn't actually know what was happening, and he was a little um, understandably confused by the fact that these two women were scouting scouting the space, but Uh, had not actually gone through official channels, and at one point he said, well, you know, if you're going to do that, you can't actually do that unless you have a dinner for the club, and I said, that's great, (laughs) (laughs) so... That's where we, instead of just doing some sort of a photo shoot where mm-hmm. we, you know, invited our friends, we invited their friends. And, oh, um, I you know, I bought the crab, uh, which... Maria Finn, actually, at the time, worked for this wonderful seafood company, and the crap was nominal. It was very inexpensive, and we had, you know, 200 people, and it was like a big night, and they were doing it during their boat their boat maintenance day, but it was just, you know, one of those surprising moments during the process of doing the book where it, it opened up what what could have been a kind of, um, you know, <laughs> a situation to manage then became a complete advantage, and then You know, we had an incredible meal. We had so much fun. We learned a lot about boats. And um, the photographs are in the book. Uh, Yeah. the The photographer, Molly DiCoutreau, is amazing. And she said, I definitely want to get pictures of the boats. I want to get pictures of the swimmers. I want someone in a Speedo. That's what I want to get. And it's just there's a picture of a duck looking at a swimmer, oh which I think is not a food photograph. But it gives you the feeling of the club, which I think is really fun.
3: So it's safe to say that these photos throughout the book, I love all the, you know, table tableside side photos, lifestyle photos, if you will, um, are, are real parties and real people eating the food, not like staged. Right.
4: Most of them, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's part of why this, this book actually took a long time to produce, and it, it was very intense because you know, getting getting a chef to take time out of their day to cook with us, um, you know, preparing that much food. But most of them are real. Most of them were really fun. Um, and what we didn't, is what we didn't have as a party, we made a party afterward.
3: Yeah, I, I just love that how you know, there's just so many heartwarming images of the chefs, pretty mystery. It just looks like everyone is like. Just having fun, though. Um, one last thing, though. I notice you have not a chef, per se, um, nor a cookbook author, but there is a meatball recipe from Francis Ford Coppola, and it's called Mama's Meatballs, or La Polpette del Mama. How did you, how did you finagle that?
4: Well, um, I love, so every year
3: he has an event, which is a fundraiser
4: for the North Beach Citizens uh, Center. And it's, it feeds the homeless. And I remember hearing stories about how he would make, you know, meatballs for 500 people. Uh, Again, this is one of those stories that made me incentivize to make Mm. this book. I just thought it was beautiful. And, um, he, there was a piece about him in the Kitchen Sisters, uh, when they did Hidden Kitchens and I, Davia Nelson and Nikki De Silva. And, um, so I worked with them on another project on their Hidden Kitchens book many years ago, and I reached out to them to see, you know, what their thoughts were. And it's it just is such a great, uh, beautiful recipe, and it speaks to the theme of the book. And it was just an honor to have to have that recipe in there. And meatballs are like what you were saying about the Swedish meatballs. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's one of those recipes which, you know, everybody loves it, you know. Um, and it doesn't, you just make the pasta, you make the meatballs make a big green salad, done, you know, so it's a real, it's a real, and it's inexpensive, relatively inexpensive to make for a lot of people. And it just, it conjures, the Italians in general have a lot of big (laughs) Mm -hmm. food. I had so many Italian recipes. I had so many recipes in general that I wanted to include in this book, um, that I couldn't, but maybe volume
3: two. Hey, maybe volume two. (laughs) Well, well done. I think that there's an amazing variety here. Um, We only just scratched the surface of it. So really, everyone check out Feed Your People. And um, it looks like that's about all the time we have today. But thank you so much for joining us, uh, Leslie. Oh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. All right. And thanks for the meatball recipe. I think I'm going to make it tonight. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words.
4: Thanks again. (laughs)
2: Next year, Heritage Radio Network is turning 10. For the last decade, we've been committed to bringing listeners around the world the very best in food radio, for free. Our small staff and incredible network of hosts work hard so that listeners can tune in each week to hear the important conversations in food policy, stay on the cutting edge of cocktail culture, and hear the latest updates in food tech. But there is no HRN without the support of listeners like you. Become a member of Heritage Radio Network today and help HRN get a strong start to our second decade. Choose from exclusive member gifts and stay in the loop on discounts to upcoming events. There's no better time to show your support. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and wish HRN a happy birthday.